Hello and welcome to Sounds from the Savantes. Barry and Rob. And uh, I threw myself off, but we're going to keep going. And uh, we're coming to you from the fabulous and magnificent monolithic, huge Winchester building in the downtown metropolis area. And uh, today's show is going to be so fabulous, Rob. How fabulous will it be? It'll be pretty good. <laughs> Maybe a little bit better than okay. Uh, <laughs> we promise. No, not promise. We, <laughs> we think don't. we're going to have an above average show. We think today's show is going to be filled with a lot of talk about music. A lot of it. And probably for the next 45 to 50 minutes. And I just want to mention there may be some uh, some construction noises filtering in through the microphones. And I just want to uh, assure the audience these noises are all perfectly normal. That comes from Rob's stomach. <laughs> so, <laughs> Rob has a, what we call a I've, bad tummy. I've got a group of squatters. <laughs> so, well, we got, uh, we we have Uptown Mike back from his vacation slash rehab, but he's not here because we're doing our shows during the daytime now. Not now, not like now forever, but now for the next couple weeks. And Mike refuses to come during the day because it means he might have to work. Yeah. So <laughs> nobody knows where he goes in the daytime. No, nobody does. But I, I'm I'm thinking uh, the downtown streets, uh, yeah. where he uh, gets a little bit of extra cash. But and wears a cowboy hat. And wears a cowboy hat. <laughs> I did not So uh, yeah, Mike's Mike's back, but he's not back. It's good for the show that he's not back. Uh, it's also very uh, rude that he just says because it's during a day. We have to do the show during a day. Yeah, why can't he? Why can't he? He doesn't have a job. Well, he does. He has a profession. <laughs> he makes money. We don't. Uh, still no excuse. He's an idiot. So what I was going to say before we started is uh, what a fabulous show today. <laughs> no, I wasn't going to say that. I was, you can tell them they're, they're a fabulous audience. <laughs> you, you know what? These audiences during the day are just incredible. <laughs> Among the best. Uh, what I was going to say is that uh, I took a, I, I'm discombobulated. Yeah, but there was a thing uh, this week that uh, you had a thought on, and you wrote it down on some paper, and said, "By going, that's going into the show." Oh well, yeah, I got lots. Of, I got I got lots Too of much. things to go into the show, and it's not going to all get into the show today because it's overwhelming. Because it's overwhelming me, just like, well, I we had to delay the show today because it's just this this uh, just by half an hour the taping <laughs> of the show because I just I just I, it's just strange to do the show during the day and i think i have all this time and then i don't and then it's like well, what's going on and then it's like what yeah and then the other guy who i don't know, even know his name says what <laughs> <laughs> but he lives inside your head but and he, he lives inside my head and he says why are you getting ready for the show and i said who are you and oh so <laughs> i'm a little bit discombobulated but we have a lot of a uh, lot of stuff today to get to first of course it's uh odds and ends Odds and ends. As we are starting to start, I knew starting that. to start. As we are starting to start when we start the show, we started almost all the time now when we started with uh, with the start <laughs> with the start <laughs> with odds and ends almost. Now this is important. I want everybody to listen up to this one. I'm okay, listening. I got my ear to the microphone. As I told you last week, I'm searching for this Woodstock special. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that that was hosted by Jeff Bridges. The quest continues. The quest continues because I did last week. I did. I searched all through the summer list TV listings of 1979. But then I'm thinking, hold it, Rob. Maybe. Don't say anything yet. Wait. I'm thinking uh, maybe it wasn't a 10th anniversary Woodstock show. Maybe it was like 1978. Maybe it was 1980. Uh, I know I saw it. People, it was real. Don't say that I dreamt it because I saw it. I remember seeing it. I remember it was a Saturday night and it was on, but it was like an early Saturday night because the sun was still out. Now, does this, this is, this is help anybody's memory out there? This sounds like a sporting event was was canceled one Saturday for some reason or another, and <laughs> decided to air a special Woodstock episode. Now, I can't be the only person 
who yeah. watch this damn show. Among okay. our millions of listeners, there must be someone else who's uh, seen it. Somebody has had to have seen this show. Unless they're trying to bury this show because there was something in it that oh. revealed government secrets. And now they or don't want anybody to know about there it. There were royalties to be paid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm begging you. If you've seen this show, and I'm not giving up looking for it because I'm going to look in the listings and around 1979, like 1978, 1980, 1981, I don't know. But I need you, if you have seen this show and know what I'm talking about, to email us at soundsfromthe70s at gmail.com. And and don't just say you've seen the show, especially if you haven't seen it. Don't be a smart ass. It's a simple question to answer. Did Gary dream it or not? No, but I don't want them to say, no, he didn't dream it, and I have no proof. I want I want you to be truthful when you email him. <laughs> I just don't want you to About say, your vague, vague memory of a show that you may or may not have about seen. About your vague memory of 40 years ago. I want you just to say, I remember watching it, and just... Try and remember when it was, what year it was, and uh, yeah, that's all I need. It's, it's it, as you can hear, it's driving me a little bit insane <laughs> <laughs> because I know I saw it. You gotta, fi- you gotta find this so you can move on to something else, which will I can move on with my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a computer all the time looking for it, and then I go, hey, I go to friends' houses and I say, hey. You know Jeff Bridges? You know the Big Lebowski? You remember that Woodstock special? And then he kicked me out. Like, this is becoming all consumed. <laughs> You're going to the wrong places. <laughs> so uh, I guess I guess that's the for odds and ends. Um, you have oh, you said you had a story from work from this past week. Oh yeah, there was this thing that happened. There was this guy who like uh, complains a lot, and then this other guy who, who's angry a you lot. You know what we have today <laughs> is we're doing the album. Um, Arlo Guthrie. Amigo. Hey, amigo. Do you mind? Do I have a cigarette? <laughs> that's, that's not what the album's called. The album is called, not called, hey, amigo, do you have a cigarette? The <laughs> album is by Arlo Guthrie been. from 1976 called Amigo. That'd be a good album. Hey, amigo, you got a cigarette? I'd kind of be tempted to buy that based on the album. <laughs> so we're going to be doing that in the second half of the show. We're going to be talking about it and reviewing it. Uh, did I? Oh, I did. Unfortunately, I did ask you about work. Okay. <laughs> and anyway, these two guys didn't get along very so, well. So, <laughs> what we're going to get back to, <laughs> since I have so much to do today, I got so much to do in so little time. I want to hear more Woodstock stories. We got Woodstock stories from Bora Bora, our friend, uh, our French correspondent. Okay. Uh, and our friend. In, oh, yeah. Uh, we weren't finished with him. We were only on Saturday, August 16th of the Woodstock Festival uh, before uh, we stopped uh, to take a breath from Bora Bora's extremely negative comments. If you missed last week's episode, we'll slowly recap it. Uh, Bora Bora, who was either at the festival or is mad because he wasn't at the festival, commented on the first day, Friday, August 15th, 1969, by liking absolutely nothing about it. And uh, saying that for some reason Richie Haven sparted a rope. So, <laughs> so now we enter day two. Oh yeah, but he did like Joan Baez. If you like that type of thing, so <laughs> I, think, I think the word used to describe him might be acerbic. Acerbic. <laughs> acerbic with an outrageous French accent. <laughs> so, so Saturday started. Saturday, for some reason, on at Woodstock started at noon. I guess I guess hippies really don't get her get up to like noon. They got stuff to do in the morning. Yeah, like hippie stuff. Hippie stuff. Like, hey man, so let's <laughs> let's, let's get high. It's time for the wake up week. Whoa, how about that sun? Hey man, let's get high. That's the first thing they say when they wake up. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> The first band to play on Saturday was Quill. Now, oh. if you haven't heard of Quill, you got a long lineup of people ahead of you. <laughs> not even, I mean, not even I know anything about Quill other than what Bora Bora says, which is that they were unknown before Woodstock and they were unknown after. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's batting 100% today. <laughs> and uh, next up is the. Uh, uh, Country Joe McDonald, 
who uh, yeah. we didn't we reviewed the Country Joe and the Fish uh, last week, yeah. which was almost a non-review because it was so unnecessary of an album. It was almost we didn't even feel it necessary to give it stars. So <laughs> no stars assigned, no, not zero stars out of not five. zero stars. Just we no, couldn't be bothered to yeah. actually give it any stars. You got to pick up that box of stars mm-hmm. and pull the little gold ones and put them on the chart. So this is one of the most famous sets at Woodstock because of Country Joe, of course, doing uh, the fish cheer yeah. and everything, uh, and uh, and one of the most famous moments ever. I mean, I think everybody knows about you know uh, these people were tuned song. in. Uh, <laughs> so boy, boy, he he was he was sharp on day two. You think he'd be tired after all that music <laughs> on, on day one, but he was sharp. He said the he played his first solo set on Saturday. And then another with his band, The Fish, on Sunday. Uh, Did he get paid twice? (laughs) (laughs) Country Joe will remain known only for his stint at Woodstock, which is not true. (laughs) As with many artists, by the way. (laughs) Wow. Maybe he shouldn't have been writing about Woodstock if he despised it, but he should write about something he liked or something. And... uh, and he will return to the dark after. <laughs> he will return to the dark after. What does that mean? <laughs> so he will fade to black. That's what it. Means. I guess. Yeah, he actually, that is exactly what he meant. And he says, despite Country Joe's long career and many records that almost no one has ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Bora Bora does not express our feelings. I should have said this last week. These are explicitly Bora Bora, and they're just funny. Uh, that doesn't mean we, we agree with them. So, and then the next act is Santana. Oya Komoba. Oh, yeah. He stunk. And, Hack. Uh, so, one of, one of the greatest sets of Woodstock, if not one of the most memorable things I've ever seen with the Soul Sacrifice yeah, song. Man, that was incredible. That hit a groove that uh, was only matched that uh, that particular concert by 10 years after. Yeah. yeah. But we will talk about Santana next week. Giving mm. a hint. Giving a hint. But um, Santana uh, was the only artist, along with Joe Cocker, to really enjoy the festival. Or that's French translation to well, it says to that the festival to help start their career. Of course, this is translated from French, so it kind of sounds awkward at times. Totally unknown, their first record had just been released. Uh, Their set was full of energy and guitar, guitar, guitar. (laughs) So much guitar. (laughs) So much. There's no pleasing some people. Mm -hmm. And they finally awoke the crowd that it had been sleeping for 24 hours. <laughs> yes, they'd been sleeping since the start of the festival. I think this guy may have been there, but he took the wrong drugs. Like, completely wrong. He took wrong. the brown acid. Uh, uh, no, I don't even think it was the brown acid. I think maybe doctor drugs or something. He actually has some really nice things to say. I mean, Santana, Santana's set is legendary, so he actually... Says some nice things. He says, being managed by the famous shark. Sorry, I didn't remember. He said, being managed by the famous shark, Bill Graham. <laughs> uh, there was no doubt that they would have pierced very quickly, even without Woodstock. But it is equally certain that their set, that their set present in the film and on, the, and on their first album, produced a turbo effect for their early career. Wow, he kind of likes Santana. Uh, uh, skip ahead a bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. He didn't like... I'm not going to say because it's like a lot of mumbo-jumbo, but he didn't like what Santana turned into later on in the 70s. We'll just say that. No, and he's not going <laughs> to. So he kind of gave a backhanded compliment. John Sebastian! Oh, man. Talk about talk about a guy who came on totally loaded. <laughs> not only... Like, I think... Uh, I think... Uh, he uh, was really loaded with with drugs because he was just there to watch the festival. And they said, "Hey, man, you were having a delay with <laughs> with the next band and the equipment, and can you go out and play?" So he was like jabbering, you know, like, "Hey, man, this is really cool. Hey, you know what I just heard? I just heard this old lady. He, she, you know, but it was no lady. It was like the, how they used to talk about old ladies. So, anyways, he was telling a story. Um, this is this is this is quizzical to me. What he says here. And if anybody out there can translate, can better. translate this, 
It says, back to baby's naughty with John Sebastian. <laughs> Is it mean back to bad music or back to whatever they were doing? But he wrote, Bohr Bohr wrote that John Sebastian went back to baby's naughty. Are we talking uh, naughty like tied in knots or naughty like slap on the wrist? I cannot tell you how the French think. So, what's the spelling of naughty? As in naughty, you bad boy. Oh, that naughty. Okay, I thought yeah. naughty is in. Uh, yeah, baby's naughty. naughty. Yeah. Who had uh, John Sebastian, who had just started a rather shabby solo career after having shown a loving spoonful. He didn't even start his solo career yet. He. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he just left Love and Spoonful. Just, oh, forget it. I, a I, week before. <laughs> and he hadn't released his first solo album until 1970. So, leave him alone. Holy smokes, this guy hasn't even started his solo career. You're already calling it shit. <laughs> the, the set was fortunately short. <laughs> Sebastian was farted. <laughs> When when we tell you that the grass makes booby <laughs> and artistically already leached, I had no idea what those two sentences mean. That's I'm going to show it to Rob just to show that I'm not lying. No, it's not real. Right at the top, Rob. <laughs> right at the very top, okay. before Keith Hartley. Sebastian was farted when we tell you that the grass makes booby and artistically already leached. That last bit might mean he wasn't doing uh, things as original as Bora Bora might have. When you tell you that the grass makes booby. I think that might be a reference to the drugs. Uh, oh, the grass. Thinking that maybe uh, the, the grass made him a little bit yeah. booby. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. Thank you for your French translation, Rob. <laughs> it's almost a second language to me. And I kind of get, I think he was being literal when he said Sebastian farted. <laughs> Maybe he went up there and just. That could let be go a reference in French when you, uh, when you fart, you like uh, fall apart on stage or. Uh... <laughs> Don't do a good job for a public performance. Or maybe he did fart. We say oh, we no. we say uh, he died on stage. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Maybe yeah, this guy yeah, he yeah. farted on stage. <laughs> he farted on stage, but I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> but how would you differentiate that from a real fart? I mean, if you die on stage, you're going to read about it in the papers. <laughs> oh man, am I going to get through this? Okay. So then, after Sebastian's very farty set. <laughs> Keith Hartley band came on. Uh, the first English band to be programmed in the uh, in the amalgamation of uh, acts at Woodstock. That was nicely said, actually. Um, a minor group that will be quickly forgotten. They were not satisfied with their set, like the majority of the people who listened to them. <laughs> Sorry, you got to read that one again. Okay. The Keith Hartley band were not satisfied with their set like the majority of the people who were listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so, so far, uh, he's like that. listening were not satisfied. Okay. <laughs> so, next up was the incredible, I don't know if I can get through this, was the incredible <laughs> string band. And, uh, Incredible string band. Uh, you know what's incredible about that? <laughs> I could do this guy's job. Okay, go on. Sorry. It's incredible that they would go up there and just start farting. It's incredible <laughs> that the universe could create something like this. <laughs> A Scottish group of folk psyche. Okay. The incredible string band did not really move the crowd. That's about the nicest thing he could say. Did not really move the crowd. The only really noticeable point was the dress of the singer Rose Simpson? I said Rockin'. this. Yeah, I said that she had the see-through dress. Rockin'. <laughs> so they love only... those hippies. <laughs> so, oh, you didn't get me any water, you bastard. Oh, it's still in the fridge. Um, it's down the cafeteria. Okay, it's just a okay. second. I'll get up. And no, I'll no, go... no. I need you for this segment. Okay, I was gonna okay. go make step noises as if when uh, when when uh, I'm done with this segment, you can go quickly get it, and I'll kill time by. Talking about the incredible string band and Rose Simpson's dress. Okay. Um, okay, at nighttime, 
The first band to appear was Canned Heat. Oh, I thought you were going to say Kansas. Yeah. Okay, Canned Heat. Thank God it wasn't. <laughs> canned Heat did a pretty good. Whoa, Canned Heat did a pretty good set. Ah, uh, you're misreading that. Despite, <laughs> oh, okay. Despite a 30-minute brawling Woodstock boogie, I don't think he meant brawling as in everybody was fighting with because of perhaps the, song the, the, the musical style he was yes. referring to. It was a. Uh... They did not fail to include what was and what was going to be their only hits. That's not true. They had two hits. They had a couple of hits on the road again. Because they had, like, Let's Stick Together. Yeah. And they also had... Uh, 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 going Up the Country. Going Up the Country. So that... Boy, boy, you're wrong right there. Those two songs are actually very big hits. Uh, their career will then fray, marked by several deaths and a tightening on their audience by bikers. <laughs> Telling people not to buy their records. <laughs> There's bikers out there. When your audience becomes bikers, they don't buy their your records, by the way. So that's why. They just threaten you into playing. <laughs> they just say, you better play or you'll die, man. Okay. How do you get an old biker audience? Oh, man, he's the best. Bora Bora, we love you. Not because you're right, but because you're fun. Okay. <laughs> and then uh, uh, that night, uh, right after Canned Heat, was Mountain. Okay. Uh, still a rather ephemeral band, which had a little success at the time, but was soon going to roll over. <laughs> very inspired by cream which they were they made a good set but none of the songs played at woodstock were released oh i think he liked the kind i think he kind of liked uh mountain in his uh, own way he didn't he didn't that. think they were great but he liked them he didn't i think if you find any sort of a positive review on that it's the uh poor interpretation of the machine <laughs> the machine yeah. rage against the machine yeah uh the grateful dead oh my god Every time I say the words grateful and dead together, my body just quivers. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not from Bora Bora. That's from me. <laughs> so uh, one begins to touch the highlights. Oh, one begins to touch. You begin to touch the heavyweights of the time. You can touch them right now because the big acts are coming on. Okay. The oh, big acts are now coming They've rid of on. all the, uh, the chaff here and uh, they're getting the wheat. Right. right. They're, getting, oh, they're eating that wheat right now. Okay. It's good wheat. It's not rice cakes. It's wheat. <laughs> mm. The dead passed. <laughs> Wind? The dead. Well, I guess they passed away because it's, he just says the dead passed around 10 p.m. Oh. <laughs> then why did they make so many shitty records after that? So the dead passed around 10 p.m. Because they were the Grateful Dead. <laughs> and, made, and made a dismal show on a flooded stage. Yet uh, accustomed to giving bad concerts, <laughs> they considered that it exceeded it all in mediocrity and refused to appear in the film as on the discs, <laughs> accustomed to giving bad concerts. I love this guy, man. <laughs> I'd hate for him to be like critique our show. But he's, when it's somebody else, hilarious. Makes it sound like the, the Grateful Dead is waiting for that one good show. <laughs> Still to appear in the Someday music. we're going to play a good show. I think. Did you hear it, man? We rocked it. <laughs> so uh, i got to hurry up here. Okay, Greetings Clearwater Revival came on after the dead. John Fogarty was always pissed off at the Grateful Dead because all they did was like, first of all, they bored the audience to sleep. <laughs> and secondly, they were on there for like an hour and a half because they had technical problems, and they still decided to play the full mean, set. They, uh, bumped back. Yeah, yeah, and he was still mad to this day. Excellent group, the Creedence Clearwater Revival, but very average set. <laughs> Fogarty thought that between the late hour, a good part of the public had gone to bed. See, just like I said. Mm. The technical problems and the dead that had preceded them made everyone go to sleep <laughs> you, you can only stay high for so long oh man then you gotta you gotta, you gotta crash you gotta come down sometime yeah. it was it was not necessary to immortalize uh, their set which they did because the cretan set is now available uh separately as of this year to buy so they did actually immortalize the ccr set uh and it actually has gotten raves so we've already huh. stuck a, a pin in bore bore's uh, opinions. It's one of those hidden uh, gems here. Yeah. Janice came on. Oh, I love Janice Joplin. Janice Joplin came on next. Such a great singer. But everybody's asleep. I don't know. I 
I, I, I got a feeling that once Janice comes on at like three o'clock in the morning, that you're going to be like, hey, I, I think you're making this story up as you go along. More, more? Or me? Woodstock. Oh, Woodstock. <laughs> this Woodstock never happened. <laughs> we move into the night with Joplin and her group. It says his group, but uh, we know me, what he meant. Janice Joplin was all woman. Uh, with Joplin and her group of broken arms. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that took by surprise. Her group of broken arms. I can only imagine <laughs> that he was using the most inventive language in French. That... Okay, I'm going to start from the beginning on that one. We move into the night with Joplin and her group of broken arms that will make a dismal show. <laughs> I've seen Janice's show at Woodstock. It's great. Uh, which will not appear in the film or on the records. It's really good. Like, this guy, this guy, he's a misogynist. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's apparently I'll he's make a the judgment right now without. Uh... <laughs> okay, so then we get we're getting near the end here of the second day, and we're almost done. Uh, Slime the Family Stone again, a, a truly legendary set that they perform. One of the highlights of the Woodstock, if not of rock and roll history. So he, he says that one of only two black artists in the entire festival, the other being Jimi Hendrix. And uh, in, in spite of the night ahead and the public who was going crazy or getting scarce, either <laughs> they're going crazy and they're leaving. Um, Sly is going to make an explosive show and try to wake everyone up. Betting partly successful, but I don't know what that means. Probably but, being partly. Oh, okay. Be yeah, being partly successful, but that but that will be worth that will be worth. I, I have to rephrase this because it says that will be worse to him, but that will be. Good for him. <laughs> Later troubles with the well-thinking hippies. Okay, I don't know what any of that meant. <laughs> One will qualify its stage. Don't know what that meant. And its effects to include the involve the crowd of fascists. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what any of that sentence First meant. First of all, saying well-thinking hippies. Uh, oh, he there. was involving. He's involving the audience and thinking, oh, well, thinking they'll yeah, join going, in. And... What time of night was this? Very late. Okay. Past your bed. Uh, Probably about the time I get up. He says, yes, it's very stupid. A hippie. <laughs> he <laughs> does. Rob, did I not say that? I'm not making this shit up. Slam family stone. Right at the end. Last sentence there on the page. I can read the whole sentence there. Being partly successful, betting partly successful, but that will be worth to him later troubles <laughs> with the well-thinking hippies. One will qualify its stage and its efforts to involve the crowd of fascists. <laughs> yes, it's very stupid. A hippie. <laughs> See, that's if I was going for a um, uh, a job uh, interview and I didn't want the job. I'd speak something like that. <laughs> you would speak like mumbo-jumbo, but occasionally mention the word fascist and hippie. He's definitely unintelligible, but he might be dangerous as well. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I had to read this. There's even more. Ironically, in Woodstock, Sly will share the poster with Jefferson Airplane, the group behind his calling. I don't know what that means. I bore, bore, you're making less sense as you're, as you're going on and on. Indeed, when the airplane recorded White Rabbit, we know that, Sly was one of the sound engineers present, noting that the band was so bad that he needed 83 takes to be able to play pretty well, that they needed 83 takes to play pretty well together and sing more or less just on a basic three-minute song. You know, well, to get it together for a three-minute song is what he meant when they recorded White Maybe Rabbit. he's a perfectionist. Sly left the studio after the session and said, if these nerds, really, I don't think they said nerds back then, <laughs> but we'll go with that. If these nerds were able to win a contract, so I can do the same. <laughs> and then that's how Sly, the performer, was born. I never knew that. Of course, I don't know if this is true because it's coming from Bora Bora. Okay. Uh, we're almost done. We've got two more acts here. Uh, and then we'll do the rest next week on Sunday. Sunday we'll do the the on next week's show. Sunday, August 17th. Yeah, sure. The Who. How can you not like The Who? The greatest band of all time. They're all right, I guess. <laughs> The Who played from 5 to 6 o'clock in the morning in front of an almost non-existent audience. Yeah, wow. like 500,000 people all of a sudden disappeared. <laughs> Where'd they go? 
<laughs> well, their petals kind of uh, curled up and uh, wouldn't uh, open up again until the sun came out. Uh, good set, nevertheless, even if they played much better before. <laughs> and everything's got to be a, you know, a positive's got to follow with a negative, or else, you know. Uh, of course, the famous Abby Hoffman incident, where uh, while the Who were on stage, Abby Hoffman, the uh, uh, radical left, whatever, climbed and grabbed the microphone to protest the imprisonment of John Sinclair, <laughs> the leader of the White Panthers and MC5 manager. Townsend screamed, fuck off, fuck off my fucking stage. <laughs> <laughs> and sent him backstage swinging his guitar in his face. This is actually all true, by the way. It's all true. The only real rock and roll moment of the whole festival. Come on, Bora Bora. <laughs> There's three days of rock music. Wow. What's <laughs> he been viewing as real rock and roll moments? <laughs> like today? Would he review today's like The Leonard Skinner plane roll? crash? Is that a real <laughs> rock and roll moment? <laughs> Man, that was so cool. <laughs> and you know how rock and roll it was? People died. On it too. <laughs> Way to go, Leonard Skinner. Man, Bora Bora, get your like, lighten up. <laughs> Holy fuck. And the last act was actually on the morning. Uh, it was a Jefferson airplane. The airplane was supposed to be the star group on Saturday, but with all the delays accumulated, they finally only played Sunday morning. Again, in front of a sparse crowd. <laughs> everybody everybody came back on out. Sunday. Yeah, everybody You're went all out. camped out in the same place. <laughs> you can't leave the farmer's field to go to another farmer's field. <laughs> let's go. The other farmers will shoot you with the let's pellets leave, of rock let's, salt. Let's leave Yasger's farm and go over to the Mitchell farm. That's much nicer at night. Um, a set without surprises with endless jams that go nowhere. <laughs> Grateful Deadway. <laughs> the Grateful Deadway. I love that. <laughs> but there are some who like, and then he's got dot, dot, dot. <laughs> and that is sad. I think that dot, dot, dot. Meant, and there are some who like this sort of crap. <laughs> That's exactly what he meant. Okay. But I am too polite to finish this particular sentence. We will we will hear back from our French correspondent Bora Bora next week as he uh, <laughs> tells us what he thinks of Sunday, August seventeenth, nineteen sixty nine. But if you're a betting person, he probably didn't like much of Sunday. They must have been even worse than farting a rope, <laughs> <laughs> or just like John Sebastian going up there and farting. Like, what's, what's the point? Wow, I got two things, Rob, that I have to leave till next week. Yeah, you can't cram them in. There's not enough time. No, I uh, I can cram a lot in. <laughs> but this time, it's a little, there's a little bit too much to cram it in. I got too much this time. Well, maybe Sunday will be a shorter day. <laughs> <laughs> yes, double entendres are the reason that me and Rob exist. <laughs> So this week's album uh, that we're going to review is by one of my favorite artists at Woodstock, uh, Arlo Guthrie, and uh, with his Amigo album from 1976. Arlo Guthrie, son of Woody. <laughs> okay, well that was my whole next paragraph actually. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. Of course, Woody Guthrie is uh, well one of the most legendary figures, not only in folk music but in music history as redefining folk to be protest music and you all should know what he got through. I should it wasn't just explain. about doing the daily chores anymore <laughs> okay bore bore so <laughs> it wasn't folk music <laughs> yeah actually rob is kind of right it, it wasn't just about singing about bringing in the sheaves or uh, anything like that it really got political and, and you know and then it went to rock and roll with the with the with the politics and speaking your mind about what's wrong and uh it all started really with woody i mean there were songs going back which i didn't even but want to no get one into, was making to a england career and out scotland of it. about you know murders and stuff but it wasn't it was just telling tales like troubadours as they would tell the tale of mm. what happened here and what happened here and this is Woody was kind of like the first one to say, yeah, you know what? Um, there's injustice going on. I'm here. going to use this, this to is say point something. Yes, not just to retell a story. Yes, not just to read that exactly, which was what all basic old school folk was about from the 18th century. And we find century. a good story to tell. 
Yeah, and then you because that was their job because there was no records or radio. You would go around to places and you would tell the stories of what happened in other villages and towns. And Woody was really the the uh, originator of the folk singer that we know today. He was like punk rock from the 30s or 20s. Yes, he was. Yeah, he was very rock and roll in his. You know, I'm going to do what I do, and if you don't like it, oh, you don't want me. You want me to sing other songs on this radio show? Yeah, I'll leave. (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't need this gig, you know. I, I I like rambling on the trains, anyways. So, real real kick ass guy. Um, so it's hard to follow up like one of the greatest um, uh, artists of all time being his son. But I've always been a, a pretty big fan of Arlo, and I think one of the reasons was when we got our our in town here, when we got uh, our top FM radio station in the late seventies. For some reason, the DJs always loved to play Arlo Guthrie, and they would play like Alice's Restaurant, like all the time yeah, for the first couple that's of years. Where I heard it was uh, yeah, and the motorcycle song. The he used to play the motorcycle song all the time, like the long live version where you know. Yeah, I just heard the studio the version recently. Yeah, the studio like, version yeah. was only like two minutes, and he just sings it's not the, the same. song. And the I remember when they mm-hmm. always used to play. It almost used to be like once every month at Somebody least. Somebody really loved it. Somebody at, I the, think at old our Andy station Travis, the program director, <laughs> would play like the motorcycle, like that long song with the story. And I don't want to pick up. You have to remember back then, there wasn't as much music to play. Well, the, well <laughs> that's not true. But <laughs> there was the same amount because it all died. But the they programmed. They did actually. It was very WKRP. Like they did program their own music. They played whatever the hell yeah. they wanted. And it was great, and uh, they just played a lot of Arlo. They really did, and I, and I started buying his albums in the '80s, his '70s albums, and one of the albums I bought was this one, probably about 1986. I bought uh, Amigo because I had heard that it was his best album, and that it had to be bought. Like if you're an Arlo Guthrie fan, you should, you got to buy Amigo. And uh, so I bought, it. and I got to say, Arlo, Arlo released some really great albums, like. And he had, what happened is, what happened with so many people from Woodstock and so many artists from the late 60s and 70s, is that they made all these very idiosyncratic, you know, sometimes good, sometimes really great albums in the 70s, late 60s. And then they just fell off the earth in the 80s, whether they ran dry of material or just because the 80s. I want to do something else with my life. Well, no, it's just kind of in a way, Rob, because... Maybe it's just not being wanted because I see this all the time is that these artists, I'm talking about just artists from the 70s that were kind of in the middle. They're not superstars. They're not like nobodies, but they're kind of right there. You know, you know of them, but you know, they're not, they don't sell a huge amount of albums. Yeah. Once they get it and they're prolific, they release like an album a year, if not two albums a year in the 70s. And once the 80s came, I don't know whether it was i i've said my piece like you said i i want to i want to move on to other things i've done this long enough i I didn't plan on doing this this long uh maybe there's something else maybe there's something else or maybe i just like performing but i think their records weren't selling with the 80s with of course the 80s were a drastic change from the 70s with the music and i think that the companies didn't the record companies just didn't want them anymore we i see this with richie havens that we just did uh arlo guthrie i could name so many artists if 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 i had to and same thing and it's just with arlo it's very sad because he had all these really good the, every album that he made was at least really good up until that magical year of 1980 came and then all of a sudden he had like oh like three albums in the 80s and and albums that nobody has heard in the 90s you know they just seemed to drop off the map it just seemed like the 80s really said we don't want to hear your music anymore. We're going to have a complete musical revolution. It was that a stuff was good, but we're going to try something which is not good. It, it, that's very true. It was a musical revolution, not in a good way, <coughs> but it was like saying, you know, if you're not going to adapt, and these guys couldn't adapt to this 80s sound, thank God, because who wanted to, except Phil Collins. Um, <laughs> so, so it was, I just see this so much. Especially doing this show now, I just see it so much where we do an artist, and as soon as they hit the 80s, you know, 83 or whatever year it is, that they just drop off. Like the company, record companies just give up on them. They can't sell them to the to the 80s kids that are listening to the radio now. Amazing. The adults aren't there. 
the baby boomers aren't uh, buying stuff anymore. and the baby boomers aren't buying it anymore they're they've moved on from buying records and it's uh that's what happened with arlo because arlo's been arlo's been playing since he released his first album alice's restaurant which by the way very first album reviewed in rolling stone <laughs> and uh so that how that's how far and he's been playing for 50 years now and he's still out there you know giving her um but to the album amigo released in 1976 um i i just <laughs> i love this album <laughs> i have listened to this album probably i don't know 25 times in in the last 30 or so years and but in all honesty this past week when we picked this album was the first time i probably listened to it in 15 years and it just was like wow and then i think i even liked it better than all the times i think that time apart from not hearing it for so long you're reminded of stuff that you've forgotten was even on the yes album. the delicacies of this album and it's a very if there's anything about an arlo guthrie album it's that it's kind of unfocused because arlo's got a great sense of humor he has the comic songs he has uh, cover songs he has his own songs and if there's anything that prevented him before from having a classic masterpiece of an album was his variety which is which is hard to knock somebody who has variety right because it shows how how uh flexible you are and he still has that like he has uh his own grocery blues song on here which i like but it all kind of fits this album really goes from song one with guabi guabi which is a great song also even though it's a lightweight song it, it really works and the album just has a continuity to it that his other albums didn't for some reason his other albums were just good songs after good song right but it did just didn't seem it wasn't that much an album as a collection of songs yes and this felt more like uh, an album yes this felt like I, I i i got a feeling that rob is going to disagree with me on almost all <laughs> my points but this is actually one of my favorite albums of the 70s not not only is it i think arlo guthrie's masterpiece but i think that it is a definite must-have at least in my top 50 of albums of the uh 70s i really love this album it it shows something that arlo never showed before and really never showed afterwards it was a really reflective uh, excellent songwriting uh, it was not that he didn't have good songwriting but consistent throughout the whole album and I just and just moving songs after moving songs like uh, the darkest hour just a beautiful love song but it's also kind of not a love song very uh uh you can take it a couple of ways uh the great massachusetts one of the greatest protest songs i've ever heard and i remember when i first heard the victor, victor yara. yara song that's the one that stood out for me um was extremely moving because i knew the story of victor yara and uh and this is one of the great protest songs of the 70s even better than dylan's hurricane which and yeah. i never i never put dylan second place in anything <laughs> <laughs> but even hurricane is second to victor yara just an extremely moving song i'm looking at all these i think they're great and he ends the album with a great way he ends Robert. it with an extremely rocking song the rolling stones connection he picked a song that was deep in the catalog of the rolling stones that not many people knew so a lot of people probably thought that he did it which is a, a thing i always tell rob that i want to do when we have our yeah. band is like pick a song so people think we did it don't just pick like sympathy for the devil and do it that's always been my motive you know why do i you know why do a song that everybody knows you know try and because you're not going to yeah. you're not going to do better than sympathy for the devil stuff you don't hear albums on the radio and or album music on the radio anymore you just hear what the computer picks exactly and what are they going to pick they're going to pick well, the songs one, that anybody's uh, heard yeah, before. Yeah. yeah and keep narrowing that uh, selection down as time goes by exactly and it's a great pick i mean just it's just a great it's actually one of my favorite rolling stone songs and definitely my favorite underrated rolling stone song uh, connection and it just ends the album perfectly because it's a very reflective almost somber record and then it ends on this rocking connection and it just leaves you going like whoo like wow okay i just experienced something uh now i'm gonna hand it over to rob and i'm not gonna like what he's doing <laughs> i loved it less <laughs> <laughs> uh 
I I thought it was uh, it was good. It was okay. Um, wow. <laughs> wow. We're all wow. No, a lot of the time when I was listening to it, I got I got the impression that uh, if not for the lyrics, I got the impression for a lot of it that, that that I was kind of listening to the same song. I couldn't get that out of my head. There was only a few that stood out for me. Like I said, lyrically, I liked it. I like Arlo. Um, the backup band. Uh, they gave me a studio musician vibe. Why do you want Kellis playing on this thing? Come on, man. How can how can you knock an album that has Waddy Wachtel playing guitar on it? Holy, although he's a studio musician. He should have uh, did, uh, stood out more and done something, but uh, I don't think they were allowed. They're not, they're not songs to be stood out from. <laughs> Except for Connection. Like These I are say, songs that not to be... That lyrically is the one way I was able to differentiate between the, the songs. They kind of blended into each other. I gave it about four or five listens. Uh... Wow, you missed the ball. On this, <laughs> this is the first time we've really no. disagreed to the point where I, I didn't get it. I did not uh, in any way. Uh, I was looking for a sense of humor. Didn't hear that on this album. I told you it's a dark, a yeah, dark, somber yeah. record. Not every record has to be funny by Arlo, okay? I know, but that's kind of what I expected from Barlow, and uh, this gave me a kind of singer-songwriter of the 70s uh, feel that I wasn't expecting from him. Wow. Grocery I've never Blues said was this. the one, it was the closest one, it, it had kind of a whimsical style, but uh, lyrically was not whimsical anyway. Which one? Grocery Blues. <laughs> Are we ready to fight? I, we're gonna go to fisticuffs now. Almost forty shows, <laughs> and we've rarely disagreed. But I'm sorry to say, you really missed the boat. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot disagree. I actually think this is one of the best albums of the I probably 70s. have to listen. To I it don't. A I half don't dozen more think, times, but I'm not. Uh, and I'm. I'm. I didn't I'm get not through my disputing. Distance. No, no, Rob. If that's your. Opinion. I was surprised because I actually the first or uh, second time I listened to it, I was like, I sat down and. Uh, I, I kind of uh, gave it a really good listen thing, and you know, I kind of expected something different, something more. Rob, it's your opinion. <laughs> it's not. Uh -huh. It's not. I'm going to listen to it ten more times, and hopefully, I see what you see. If that's what you got, that's what you got. Except, I'm just stunned by it because <laughs> I am so moved by the, and this. I have been moved you? by this album for like thirty plus years. Yeah, it moved me less. <laughs> He's being nice. <laughs> he is, because he knows he doesn't want to hurt my feelings, but I know he didn't really like this album. He probably wouldn't listen to it again if he, unless he had to, but this album, you know what, I'll just say, it really speaks to me for some reason, and the little yeah. the little uh, producing things, like with the with the guitar, how it kind of like, yeah, you know what, I, I'm trying to, um, the crying of the guitar on a couple of songs, which I, is always an effect that... You know the feedback kind of thing. I, I forget what it's you almost call it. a volume swelling. A yeah. volume, a volume swelling of the guitar really gets to me when people use it as song. And he uses. I think the production is just top notch. I think yes, I agree with you that the the album has kind of a one note feeling to it. But I think that's the like how you think it's the weakness of the album. Yes, I actually think, it's, think the it's the strength, strength of the album. And I and uh, I I. I value your opinion as much as mine. I really do. So I understand what you're saying. I just, I just love the album. That's all. And I, and I, I knew I. It's funny I know Rob <laughs> so well. <laughs> I just know him so well. I, I very rarely get surprised. And I knew that what he was going to say today was exactly what he was going <laughs> to say, except when he actually said it. It was still a surprise. You Damn know it, it's mean? Arlo Guthrie, and I want to like it Because we are big Arlo fans. I want to like it more. We are. like We used to, we tried to do, in our band, we tried to do Coming Into Los Angeles because we loved the song yeah. so much, and we, we did a very pale imitation of it and quickly <laughs> dropped it. But we are we are Arlo Guthrie fans. But I knew this kind of this kind of album wasn't It going, wasn't for me. It wasn't for Rob. I just knew it. But to hear him say it is like, oh, man, too bad, because I really wanted him to like it as much. I just want him to like what I like as much, because I get so much out of this album. Yeah. But that's okay. That's that's what he thinks. And this is not a show just to agree with ourselves. <laughs> and you made some good points. And I, you know, I can see somebody listening to this album and saying the same things you say. But I recommend this. I can, This is going to shock Rob. 
Maybe it's not, but I give this album five out of five. I think it's a masterpiece. Okay, and uh, anything I don't uh, listen to again voluntarily uh, doesn't get the three stars. I give it a two and a half. <laughs> That's how. Wow, look at this, Rob. Look at the stars that it gets and the ratings it gets here. From from the Rolling Stone record. Guy, oh, yeah, yeah. Five of, out of five. Look at a this. A bunch of guys. From who... all music, it gets four and a half out of five. And Robert yeah. Piscow gave it an A minus. And you give it two and a half like I'm some sort of lowest. chunk. <laughs> no, I, you know, I don't I don't think much of these, but uh, I just wanted to rub it. It is a bit of a contrast. There's a bit of a contrast. That your view is of contrast <laughs> to the popular opinion. That's all. Screw the populace in the eye. You That's know, what I You're right. Said. You're you're entitled to your opinion, and I knew you were going to say it anyways. I did. It's funny how I almost know exactly, and you probably I know did. what records I'm going to like I wanted to like it more. I know you wanted to. He's trust mm. me. I know Rob. He's an Arlo Guthrie fan, but I knew this album wouldn't get to him. I just knew it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this one was not for me. Okay, we have one more act next week, and I think I gave I gave the hint away a little bit earlier in the show. What album we're going to, not album, but it's what artist we're going to be doing next week. Artist that played on the second day at Woodstock. Good luck. Yes, that's exactly right. Good luck. <laughs> uh, rewind the show and uh, listen to it. Like the after man will be rewinded. <laughs> when you hear the word uh, clue as the next week's show, those words uh, just uh, rewind it a bit more and then uh, you'll have the clue. Oh, I remember now what I had, the last, just before we end, the last odds and ends that I had. Uh, I, I remembered I had two odds and ends. Was that uh, last week's show, yeah. the Country Joe show on the fish, was by one minute our short, shortest show, show yet. Ever. Uh, uh, one by one minute, the George Harrison All Things Was Passed, which I thought was one of our best shows ever, <laughs> was about 45 minutes, and the Country Joe show was about 44. So the Country Joe is right now our shortest show and probably deserving of it. <laughs> I, I get to talking and I lose my sense of time. But when, you're, when you, you run out of things to talk about, you, you suddenly regain your sense you know of time. But you know what's funny, Rob, <laughs> is that the albums that we're passionate about, like this one, or even like a Grease or Captain Tennille, which we're, which we're passionate about in a hateful way, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Those are the long shows. The, ah, and yeah. so that's why I mean, that's why I mean Come that on. Country Joe and the Fish deserved to be the shortest show. Because it was so mediocre that we had nothing to say about it. And it didn't get us upset, but it also didn't make us go hallelujah for this album. Yeah. So it came in short. <laughs> that is unusual. It is unusual. We but, should have been going on for like an hour about how much we hated it. And, but didn't hate it. It wasn't it was just anything there. to hate there. It wasn't anything to hate. and There wasn't anything to like. <laughs> Oh man, that's an invisible album. I have to remember that one. The invisible album, the <laughs> album that the album that appeared and nobody cared. So uh, I recommend. By the way, I recommend Arlo Guthrie, Amigo. Please buy it; it's a masterpiece. Anyways, we will uh, have another act next week from Woodstock. So uh, catch you then. Bye bye. Goodbye.